0: Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, episode number, I don't know what episode number, 89, 89. 89. Love and Death. We're going to talk about love and death. And love is in italics and uh, death is bold if you're looking at it on the paper.
1: And we're not in the Song <laughs> of Songs.
0: We're not in the Song of Songs. Shocker. Yeah. So we're almost halfway through the summer at this point, yeah. right? Yeah. And so uh, getting our tan on and uh, I think I'm at camp to... this week. I think you are. You're at camp? Yeah. This
2: is a...
1: speaking Family One.
2: Yeah.
0: What are you speaking on at Family One?
1: The Song of Songs. (laughs) So
2: we'd be better. (laughs) What else does Tim talk
1: about? (laughs) We'd be better in the Song of Songs than the book that I brought today. He
0: can talk about a lot of things. I do. I
1: like Exodus. You know, I've been doing this little mini series on Exodus.
0: Yeah. So, okay. Anyway, uh, as always, we have some thinklings business to tend to.
1: Books and business.
0: Let's talk about a book.
1: Okay. So the book is Love, Sex, and Happily Ever After by Craig Groeschel. Um, this book is uh, for a mature audience, I guess maybe. It, it's not what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be like a marriage book for married couples. It isn't. It is actually for singles. So it resonates with my audience that I am writing to uh, for the with in our book, but it, it doesn't resonate. It doesn't resonate because his audience is more of a an experienced audience who, who have train wrecked their lives already and they're trying to uh, get back on the right path and he's helping them do that. So our book, which we're writing is more designed for a naive individual. We're trying to be very careful not to awaken love in the reader. I would not encourage a younger naive individual to read this book because he discusses and deals with um, content and in ways he deals with some content that that could be awakening. So um some of the issues that he deals with for example he has an entire chapter on cohabitation why you shouldn't live with your boyfriend girlfriend fiance whatever uh, before you marry uh so my content with song of songs for singles i mean that's like multiple steps down the road from what we are we're working through, uh we're, what we're talking about um so he has uh, several uh steps where he works through uh, just how to go through a relationship, how to break up, how to blah 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 blah. There's a lot of general wisdom uh, in the book. There's a lot of good things in the book, uh, but there's not a lot of Bible. Uh, he does quote the scriptures every once in a while. He seeks to govern it by scriptural principles. He has actually good boundaries as far as like how far should a couple go in a relationship. Um, but uh, um, and so that that part is is actually pretty decent. Um, But it's not really based upon any kind of scriptural principles except general wisdom that he has learned. And his wisdom is very great because he has had to interact with a lot of a mess. Uh, In fact, his own life has really been a mess. Um, He got saved out of a promiscuous background, and his testimony is uh, rather interesting. Um, But he was basically a frat boy, and they were horrendous in their... um, I forget the story entirely. I probably should have pulled it up. But basically, they they got in trouble, uh, probably because of underage drinking or whatever. And so somebody, uh, one of their community service things was to have a Bible study. And so you had basically these frat boys all having a quote-unquote Bible study, and they didn't know what the world they were doing. <laughs>
2: The frat boy Bible study.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's literally what he talks about how it was. And he even admitted, I mean, they're like praying. like, well, what do we pray about? We don't even know what to pray about. They're like praying that their girlfriends don't get pregnant and stuff like that. It's like their moral compass was completely gone. Um, But some of the, one of his uh, quotes here, it, it really is kind of telling, you know, so many people are so delusioned when it comes to relationships. And he was bad. And he just says, I was bad. I was horrible. Nobody should have been dating me. I uh, I made a mess in a lot of people's lives and he talks about how how terrible uh he was and and uh here's this one one quote for some sick reason some girls seem to be attracted to bad boys few of these girls were attracted to me for the rest of my life I'll regret what I did to them it would be inappropriate to describe my behavior in detail um but and then he kind of goes through a little bit of, uh, of that, but he states, I hurt a lot of good hearted young women, and what I did was wrong. Uh, he even states that he dated some very nice moral Christian girls. They never converted me, but send some, some of them ended up doing things they hadn't planned on. And he makes the statement, um, he was bad company. He says that bad company, um, destroys good morals and we've had some conversations about that I don't know personally we have at least as thinklings I don't know if we've done it on the air uh, but he reinforces that principle he was bad company and one thing that I guess I would just even to our listeners and, and you know I don't some of you may have really made a mess of your lives and you know Craig Rochelle his testimony he's a pastor and uh, he is a living illustration of the grace of God in somebody's life. And, uh, and so wherever you are in life, and if you've really even made a mess of your life when it comes to um, following God's path or following your own path, there is always an opportunity where you can turn from your sinful path. And Craig did that, and uh, he turned away from a promiscuous lifestyle. He totally abstained from... Uh, immorality, and he and his wife did wait uh, um, to uh, enjoy uh, sexuality after they were married. And so he talks about some of those things. So, I mean, there's some, there's several things in this book that I don't like, okay? But still, it was helpful for me as I'm writing a book uh, on um, purity to read his testimony, perspective, audience, very different audience from the audience I'm looking at, and uh, that's my book.
2: So today for our devotional, we're going to be back in Colossians chapter 3. Last time I was with you going through the Word, we were in Colossians chapter 3, and we had talked about uh, the mindset and how internally God is going to change you because of what he's done when he saved you, and that that internal change should result in you pursuing and desiring and aiming at the things of God, not the things of this earth. Now we're going to walk down the passage or walk through the next sec- step in the passage, and we're going to talk about putting things to death. So the podcast title had love and death, and uh, so Tim's talked about the love part. I'm going to talk about the death part. Horrendous. Horrendous. Thank you. So I'm going to go ahead and read the section that we're going to be talking about, and. <clears throat> We're going to essentially focus on verses 5 through 11 this time. So let's go ahead and read the text together. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger and wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here then there is not Jew or Greek, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. In this section, we have two main commands that you probably picked up on as I was reading them through. I did try to emphasize them a little. There are other subcommands, but they all are going to fit under the main two verb categories of putting things to death and then putting things away. When you look at that first verb in verse 5, put to death, therefore, I would, if I was right, if I was translating this, I would put the therefore first because the therefore is following logically from verses 1 through 4. Now, we've We we just refresh really quick what we said last time. But in verses 1 through 4, Paul says, if you've been saved, and the assumption is you're going to think through, have I been saved? And then if you have, then or therefore, and then he tells you things to do. So again, what has happened to you in the past when God saved you is the foundation of why we live for God. We're grateful, we're thankful, we love him. And the first step that he gives is to internally change to internally begin to stop following what you used to and start aiming your life at your creator and the things that are where he is, your savior. When you do that, as you live that way, Paul then says, therefore, and now here's one of the logical results of setting your mind on things above and seeking the things that are above. One of the main logical results for the Christian is that you need to put to death the things that are earthly in you. So let's talk about that verb. If you're going to put something to death, I'll ask you guys, what are things like? That's a metaphor, okay? I mean, you're supposed to kill something, but we're not pulling out weapons. But what what is putting something to death? What What do you think that metaphor is probably getting at? Shooting it. Okay, shooting it. Getting yep. a gun. Boom. Yep. Bam. And like a good Iowan who probably has hunted Stab before. It. Yep. Stab Horrendous. it. Okay. Horrendous. <laughs> Horrendous.
1: That's all I've got. No. Yeah. I mean, you're putting something to death. It's dead. It's permanent. It's gone. It doesn't
2: exist to you anymore. You don't have a desire for it. It's it's dead. Okay. If um if something dies, how do you know it's dead, Charlie? You're hunting, and you kill something. How do you know it's dead? This is not hard. <laughs> this is not. Oh, he just gave me a really wry smile there, listener. Um, this could be.
0: So, <laughs> if you go up and like poke it, it doesn't move. It's hard stops. Yeah. Okay. No, it's not walking around. Okay. It's not running away from me anymore. Like it's not operating. I start butchering mm-hmm. it in the field and it doesn't, doesn't like wake you. up and be like, yeah. oh no, why are you
2: butchering me? <laughs> so so I had a buddy who was a muzzleloader hunter. He used a muzzleloader. Yep. That's like the old school, like yep. p- pack the powder down the barrel. You only get one shot. Yep. And so he I, shoots. I
0: do that all the time. To- I have a muzzleloader.
2: I mean, they're, they're powerful guns. So he shoots this deer, he drops it, and he didn't have his sidearm with him. Normally he had like a 50 cal handgun he would carry. And uh, he gets up to the deer and the thing's still alive. And all he had was his knife and it was getting ready to get up and get. So he had to literally, it was pretty gruesome.
0: I will just say that things like that happen in the field often. Yeah. not, not <laughs> maybe Maybe not often isn't the way to say it, but like you do have to be prepared for those moments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. um this is not what we're talking about at all but i do think this includes myself I think a lot of times people overestimate their ability to kill something yes and so when you're mm-hmm. hunting and like you think you made a good shot you actually didn't and you think the animal's dead and it's not and now you have to track it and,
2: you know, finish it off finish yep. it off yeah, yeah that, happens. that happens well and, and I think my my buddy's point was it was more well he was trying to be big and tough about it and he said that's the part he loved but here you are staring at this giant deer with very weaponized antlers that knows you're here to get it and all you have a knife so there's a little bit of like fear but you have to like you have to do what is necessary or you're gonna it's gonna it's gonna hit you
0: well the, the ethics of it at that point is like you need to dispatch the animal
2: yep you know yeah, there there's the like humane part. Of I it. would recommend reloading the. Mold. That's what I was going to yes. recommend. Usually, you reload the gun. Yeah, and he and well, normally he said he would carry a sidearm, but for whatever reason, he didn't have it that day. So, my, my point though is, you know, the thing's dead when it's not operating. It's it's lifeless. It's not doing what it once was. Right. Okay. So I. So what about you got when
0: the th- surgeon takes the day off. What's that? You said you know something's dead when it's not operating, but what what about? Oh, that was good. I'll give,
2: you, I'll give you. I'll a half a point yeah, I thought that. you were going to get good. that one right away. No, no, I thought you were. Never mind. I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm
0: going to put. I'm going to put my hood up and hit my <laughs> microphone.
2: No, we're good. So, so I think that for us, as we, we we look at this, Paul. Why didn't Paul just say, "Stop it"? Like, why didn't he just say, "Stop doing these things"? Why do you say, "Put him to death"? What is? What, what do you think he's getting across with that metaphor? I think it captures
1: the affection more so that it resonates with, in the mind and the desires of the uh, listener. Uh, something that's dead should be completely gone, so that's going to resonate more and shape affections better than just saying to stop it. Yep.
0: Well, I think if you, if you start bringing it into that realm, like a desire for sin, and if you don't actually do something with that desire, well, well what are you doing? Like, you're ignoring it, you're it. covering it up, mm-hmm. like allowing it to persist and not dealing with it is, is the opposite of, mm-hmm. of repentance. Like you're not changing your mind about it. You're not dealing with the desire. You're just like, oh, that's not a problem. You know, mm-hmm. like, uh, like you, you put it in the sense of like hunting, like imagine there's an intruder in your home and you get to the point where you realize they're there. Oh, hi, intruder. Oh, you're, you're stealing things from me. Mm-hmm. You're not a problem. I'm just going to go upstairs. Yeah. Or like make it even worse than like theft. Like they're, they're like attacking your family. Like they're putting your wife or children in danger. And you're like, no big deal. Mm-hmm. You're down here. I'm just going to let you stay down here. I'm going to go upstairs, deal with that. You know, like no one would ever do that. Like you have no. to actually do something about it. You kick it out. Like, you, you, you know, in, yeah. in extreme cases, like if there's danger to a family member, like lethal force, like, yeah, Mm-hmm. I mean, there were, there's guns in my home. I know where they are and where the ammo's at. Yep. You know, if someone comes into my apartment and isn't ready, like, I'm not going to just like, oh, hey, they're there. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's action that we'll be taking.
2: And I think <clears throat> in, involved in all these illustrations, especially in that century, you, it doesn't say wound it. It doesn't say maim it. It doesn't say beat it up. It says kill it. And so to me, I think the, the big deal is that he's saying you go, you do whatever's necessary. You go all the way. Right. And so the illustration I always use is there was that climber in Colorado about a decade ago who was climbing down a mountain and got his arm stuck between a rock and a wall. He, he was sliding down the boulder and the boulder shifted and pinned his arm. It was in a like very narrow crev- crevice of a Canyon and he would call for help and he didn't have signal. And so he was there for a pile of hours and uh, no one was coming. So he's like, I'm going to have to do whatever's necessary to get out of this. And so he pulls out his Leatherman and starts cutting his own arm off, but it was really dull. And he realized, even if I get through the muscle, I'm never going to get through my bone. So he stops, puts it like holds it, like stops the bleeding and he's there for, I think he's at this point, 24 hours. And he starts to see that his skin's dying and no one's coming. And so he he realized, I have to do what is whatever is necessary. So he climbs up over his arm and he intentionally falls in the wrong direction to break the one bone. Then he fall, come, comes back over himself and then he drops and hangs another direction so he can break his lower bone in his forearm. And then he pulls out the dull thing and he cuts his arm off holds himself, hikes a mile down the canyon and finds two, I think they're like Swedish tourists who didn't speak English and so here, imagine you're like from another country and you show up and there's this guy walking with no arm and he's bleeding all over, they had two packs of Oreos and two bottles of water and so they gave him the food and they went and got help but he survived and then they made yeah. a movie about it so what I think is, is helpful about Paul's metaphor is, is that when you are dealing with sin he wants to encourage you exhort you to go all the way, to go completely, a hundred percent. And so sometimes this can be helpful because we have renewed our mind. We have tried to set our mind on things above, but then where we need more meditation is, is there a sin that I'm dealing with that I'm not, it's not like put it to death, like really get angry at it. The idea is, am I going all the way, as far as I need to, all the way deep into my desires and my Uh, But also like all the way in, am I, you know, if if it's the internet, do you still have the internet? Do you need the internet? Do you even need a cell phone? Do you need a smartphone? Could you get a dumb phone? Um, If it's where you work, do you need to get a different job? Is all the influences at your job really bad? Are they dragging you back into an old life? Do you need that job? Could you get a different job? It may not be fun working another job, but is that what you need to do? And so I think here, Paul is calling us to take really, really seriously the charge to put to, to get sin to stop in our life. Mm -hmm. So I I would say that perhaps it's something to meditate on this week. Is there a sin that you've been dealing with and perhaps you've just been trying to wound it a little or kind of give it a nice slap on the hand. Do you need to go all the way thoroughly? And also think about the effort it's going to take. Like that takes a lot of effort to put something to death. You have to want it. You have to be willing to do what's necessary so my question for you, listener, and myself is, are we willing to do what is necessary to kill sin? Now, there's a second uh, verbal command I want to talk about, too, in the time that we have. Verse 8 says, now you have, you must put them all away. And uh, this this is a really interesting... Uh, now, this one's... you got to know a little bit of Greek, but if you read any basic commentary, they'll tell you this. Um, it, it's the same verb that they would have used in this culture if they're going to take off an article of clothing. So if you had a coat on, and they're like, hey, take your coat off, the verb take off would have been this idea. And even though you could take off many things in many ways, most people would have understood, like, oh, it's like taking your robe off or taking your coat off or taking whatever. And so when he says take it off, the figurative idea here is that you need to, like, rid yourself of it or or like get rid of it completely. So the illustration I always use is if I'm preaching this and I happen to have a sport jacket on or a suit coat, I'll take the coat off, but I won't take it all the way off my hand right before I pull it off. And I'll put my arms out and everyone sees the coat still dangling from like my forearm. And I'll say, have I taken my coat off yet? And everyone knows, well, either they'll say, well, no, or not all the way, or well, mostly. And so, The idea here is that you're not allowing anything to persist. You're ridding yourself completely. Now what's interesting is the put-to-death kind of sins, I'll just read the list, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, those are visible in the external realm of your life. Then you have evil desire, that's something internal that you see that other people don't, and then covetousness, which is idolatry. Now those are pretty serious sins. And the kind of sins that I think if you asked any of us about, we would know, oh man, I need to deal with that. When it comes to these where he's saying you need to go completely, thoroughly, not even hold on to a little bit. Anger. Well, anger kind of gets a pass. You know, social media, if you're a little angry, no one's calling you on it. Not. I mean, probably someone might call you on it. Wrath. I think wrath today can be easily justified. You can And think about this, like he's saying, no wrath. You need to rid yourself of that. Well, what if my wrath is because I've been rightly wronged, like I've been wronged and I was in the right? Is God saying that you can have wrath in that situation? Or am I to entrust myself to the one who judges justly? Hmm. And listener, you may be being wronged and you may be going through something really hard and you might have wrath, but you need to trust yourself to the one who judges justly and not let a root of bitterness. Uh, grow in your heart. Malice, slander. I mean, these are things that in our culture today, especially where we're at, they kind of get a pass. But the last one, obscene talk from your mouth. Uh, and then he goes on to another sin of speech, which is lying. Now, the, it's it's more than here, I think it's more than just Paul saying, do what is necessary and do it all the way thoroughly to get sin rid out of your life, okay? To put off that old man. Or continue to put off what's already been taken away from your life. It's not just effort, but I think it includes effort. It's not just extent, but I do think you go thoroughly at this. But notice the reasoning Paul says. In verse 9 he says, don't lie to one another, seeing that you have, this is past tense, you have put off your old self with its practices, and you have put on the new self. So a historic thing that's happened in your life, if you're a believer, is your old man has been put off and you've been given a new nature with Christ. I think we still have those two things competing, but historically there's been a big change in your life. But now look at what he says next. Verse 10, and you have put on the new self, which is, now here's your present tense idea, being renewed. So I think these two put off commands are hinging on the renewal idea here. How do you put them to death? I think there's effort. I think there's extent. I think you got to want it. I think you got to submit. I think you got to take great steps to, to rid yourself of these things. But what's the source of why this can happen and how perhaps it happens? It's through renewal. And my Bible says, which is being renewed, how? In knowledge after the image of its creator. So if I was going to find knowledge to renew my mind on, I think that it would come from submitting to the Lord as I am in his word. So perhaps take an inventory in your life this week. Are there sins that you've been wounding but not killing? Are there sins that you've been getting mostly rid of but not all the way? And Have you wondered, like, man, I'm not seeing a lot. I'm just not seeing how to move forward in this. Second question, have you been renewing your mind on the scriptures? Have you been in God's word? Have you been letting it train your affections and shape your desires? Have you been allowing God's word to cause you to hate sin and to love good? Have you been allowing God's word to show you where perhaps you've been led astray and deceived in your mind? to love the wrong things, desire the wrong things, and to perhaps even just think in the wrong ways. This week, I would encourage you to get into the scriptures, spend time every day reading God's word, pray, seek the Lord, and see are there sins that perhaps he's bringing up that you need to deal with.